Michael Crosa here. Today we continue with part two of Someone Was Rotten at Dinner by Patricia Haynes Ainsworth. If you haven't heard part one yet, I encourage you to listen to that one first. Otherwise, this one probably won't make that much sense. And if this is your first time listening to Jollyville Radio at all, welcome. And just know that this is a special set of episodes that we're doing. If you enjoyed these, I hope you'll check out our past episodes and other work as well. And for those of you who did listen to part one, you'll remember how we learned about the many scandalous details of the royal family and their court. We now open upon the Lady Enred, who has been acting a little strange ever since King Foraday drew his last breath in her presence. These sweet little hands, such sweet little hands. Stab! Stab! Icky! Will they ever be clean? I law, she's quite gone off the deep end, and she? Ha ha ha, poor thing. Is there nothing anyone can do? Perhaps I can help. Who art thou? What is thy business here? I, madame, am William Shakespeare, actor, writer, director, and glove maker. Look at his clothes, mummy. They're quite odd. Are you from France, sir? Oh, don't be an idiot, Amonry. His cuffs are way too plain to be French. Have caution, fool. Now that King Foraday is dead and I am ruler here, then I could send thee to the chopping block or the dungeon with a snap of my fingers. Patience, Ham. Allow thy father's blood to cool a bit before you start making proclamations. Stepfather, mother, my actual father has lain in the ground for four long months now. Cold. Cold. So cold is the ground. Cold is the blood that the water's the willow. That's lovely. I'll have to write that down. Ye must excuse her, sir. She just accidentally stabbed the king to death, or so it seems. She is a bit out of sorts. As for you, Master Shakespeare, our feast may have been turned into a wake, but there is obviously plenty of food. Ye are welcome to join us. Might I inquire a second time as to the purpose of thy visit? The play. My visit is about a play, your majesty. The play's the thing that brought you here? Actually, a time machine brought me here. You see, I'm not from France. I'm from your future. But the reason I'm here is because of a play. You dress strangely indeed. Are you from thousands of years in the future? Not quite that far. I have come from the end of the 16th century in a time machine that was left to me by a fellow time traveler named Wells. You must understand that recently, I've had a bit of a writer's block and my last play, Timon of Athens, got terrible reviews. I was desperate for some inspiration. I've read a lot about your period in history and your family had, has, a juicy reputation for intrigue and gossip. I decided to take the time machine here to see if I could find a good plot for my next production. I seem to have lucked out, as I have apparently arrived on the very night when the king was mysteriously murdered. There is no mystery about it, sir. We all arrived in the room to see that the lady in red here unwittingly stabbed him with my bodice dagger. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'll be eaten by worms. She may have stabbed him, your majesty. She may not. But clearly she was not responsible for his death. 
What are you saying? I had a look at the body on the bier of the basement. I'm presuming that it's the body of the late king, as it is the only dead body in the castle at present. (laughs) It's been a slow night. I took some time to examine it carefully and found that the wound from the knife was not deep enough to cause more than a superficial puncture. King Forday was murdered, but not at the hand of Lady Inred. One hand? Two hands? Red hand? Blue hand? This little hand made a scar? This hand, um, I didn't kill him. I know. I, I, I didn't kill him with this hand. I, I didn't kill him, Shakespeare man. Is anyone making sense of anything she's saying? Go on, Master Shakespeare. My suspicion is that the king was already dying when he was mistakenly stabbed by the lady. She is probably the only person in this group who cannot be suspected of murdering the king. Get thee back to thy own century, sir. This business is none of thine. On the contrary, sir. It is exactly my business. I am in the business of crafting good stories, and this will make a humdinger for my theater troupe. If I can just figure out an ending, who did the deed? Oh, can't you just make something up? Why why not just use an ending from a different play? Oh, you've seen one historical drama. You've seen them all, haven't you? I'm off to my chambers. Wait, don't leave. Ye are one of my prime suspects. My sir? How so? I'm but a poor fool, not unlike yourself. Ye forget, sir. I am an actor and therefore a master of disguise. As a matter of fact, I arrived earlier in the guise of a potted plant to observe all of thee. How clever. Uh, What matters any of that? Of this matter, sir. One, I wanted to impress you all. Two... I watched the magic trick you did for the king. Your trick was too well done to be the mere jest of a court entertainer. It required great skill and dexterity to perform, the kind of dexterity one learns when studying the royal art of fencing. And three, you just so happened to have used this scarf to perform it. This same red scarf which I pulled from around the king's neck not but two minutes ago. It is one of many such that can be found in, in anywhere in the marketplace. Ah, but it is not. It is made of fine silk sold only in the fine markets of Arabia, affordable for only royals and nobles. Not all the perfumes of Arabia can sweeten these little hands. That's good. I must make a note of that. Where was I? Yes, the scarf. But I must pause for a moment. Lady Enred, what dost thou hold in thy hands? A goblet. It was his last gift to me. The king handed it to me as he fell, and I... Drove the dagger into his chest. The king was holding a goblet when he came into the room? I did not know that. Oh, it appears you're not as observant as you climb, Master Shakespeare. How could I have noticed the goblet? For I only was able to look at the body after the fact. Don't be distracted, sir. I believe you were about to surmise that the fool had strangled King Forday with the silk scarf, were you not? Ah, but the presence of the goblet darkens the waters a bit. In troth. There could be another plot afoot. None but Lady Inred are accounted for at the exact time of the king's murder. Can any one of you vouch for the other? I was in my room. Were you, young prince? I overheard your mother say she left thee alone there before coming into the hall here and observing with the Lady Inred much earlier in the evening. That would have given you plenty of time to encounter the king in the hallway and deliver the instrument of his undoing. 
What of that? As you said, none of us are accounted for. Silence, Ham. He's just goading you to reveal something. Ham? That must be short for something. What is thy full Christian name? I am Prince Hemenray. That's a rather ridiculous name, isn't it? I cannot name a character that in one of my plays. No one would believe it. I think I shall call the character Hamlet instead. Mommy, he says he wants to name my character after a tiny pig. (laughs) Master Shakespeare, clearly you can see that my son is harmless to anyone but himself. But everyone in this hall can vouch for the fact that the prince threatened his father with an axe this evening. Ah, but the king was not killed with an axe, was he? So there. True. It seems the murderer might have used something a bit more subtle. Perhaps this goblet will enlighten us. Oh, do you think he might have been poisoned? Perhaps. Strunkaholin, not a drop for me. Oh, poison would be more vicile. Eh, Roxanne? I, what's our meaning? I mean that it would not be the first time you had placed poison in a draught meant for a king. The pellet with the poisons and the flagon with the dragon. But the vessel with the pestle has the brew that is true. She's becoming positively annoying. I don't she speak about Lady in Red like that? Be warned, wench. You're addressing a queen. You must forgive her, madam. She is only a tigress defending her cub. Dost thou mean to say that? I. I heard her declare as much when I was disguised as a potted plant. This kitchen maid is a Lady Enrid's mother. Mommy, I've always wondered where you were. But how could the daughter of a lowly kitchen maid be taken in and made a member of the court? Isn't it obvious? No. No. Am I expected to do all the heavy lifting here? The answer lies not in who her mother is, but who her father was. Are you implying that the king was the father of this child? But I thought he wanted to marry her. That's just sick. That means that my father pretended not to be my father so that he could adopt me and be my father. I'm confused. Seems I plot goes thicker, Master Shakespeare. I'm only just getting started. I overheard Fourday negotiating with the ambassador from Belgium to arrange a marriage between Lady Inred and Prince Leopold. But he's only six. Exactly. After you marry Ham and Ray, Fourday planned to murder both Ham and Ray and Beatrice so he'd become king. Then he planned for you to marry Leopold and he would be executed for both Denmark and Belgium. But that's a whole different play. I'm confused. Me too. Did he say I got murdered somewhere in that? I haven't even mentioned the Queen's role in Fourday's murder yet. Me? Why even mention my name? What part could I possibly play in any of this fiasco? Indeed, madam. What part you well may ask. So, I'm asking. You are the strongest suspect of all, for I can deduce three separate motives you would have to take action against your second husband, King Foraday. Even if I had a motive, or two, or even three, what means had I to kill him? I gave my bodice dagger to the lady in red before I left the room. Aye. But when I pulled the scarf away from the king's throat, I noticed several deep scratches in his neck. Your fingernails are quite long, are they not, Queen Beatrice? Well, uh, 
It is the fashion. Is it the fashion to dip them in poison and scratch one's husband on the neck? The answer is coming to me now. I think I know who the murderer is. Hurry up! The dessert's up again in the spoil! I almost have it. There is only one problem. What's that? If I were to turn this misadventure into a play, no one would believe it. How could I convince an audience of common people that a royal family such as yours could be so depraved and corrupt? Yet, there is precedent. I have to check the king's body one more time to be sure I'm right. Wait here. Shakespeare has been gone for a bit. What do you think he's doing down there? Oh, no. The man is definitely odd. I don't see anything unusual about him. That's it. I believe I have all the answers to my questions about King Forday's murder. I can tell you who the murderer is now, Your Majesty. Who do you think committed the murder? I beg your pardon, fool, but when he said Majesty, I believe Shakespeare was referring to me. No, madam. I was referring to the king. Uh, but the king is dead. That's not the king I was referring to. I'm confused. He was referring to me. Do you not recognize me, wife? It's been four months, but you were once my wife, and then my widow, then my brother's wife, and now my brother's widow. Foraday told me you were dead. I saw a body and everything. I'm seeing dead people. How can this be? Aye, you of all people might wonder. Since you brewed such a potent poison to do the job. I, me? I did not poison anyone. Thou treacherous wench. Ye plotted with my brother to steal my throne and my life that night. You and your witch's potion that he mixed with my wine. But I was only following orders. Yes, for a day's orders. He knew that I'd be meditating in the garden that night. Thank goodness for my foolish minstrel was a drunken sot. He drank from the bottle of wine intended for me before I could drink any. He died on the spot. I knew immediately that it was no accident. And my life was in peril, so I I dressed him in my robe, so Foraday believed he had succeeded. I ran to a safe house and disguised myself as a fool, since I knew you'd be hiring so I could return to the castle and devise a plan to regain my throne. How could thee, Beatrice? How could you welcome my foul, deceitful brother into thy heart? Well, you were dead. What was I supposed to do? Stay up all night and knit socks? But with the man who plotted to kill me. I didn't know that then, did I? (laughs) And you're supposed to be the smart one in this plot. How dare you talk to my mommy in such a fashion? Wait, we are getting off topic. It is clear you had motive, means, and opportunity. Why don't you tell us how you murdered your brother, King Hemingway? Oh, 
I didn't actually murder him, although I fully intended to do the deed tonight at dinner. Ignorant of my true identity, this foul old hag brewed one of her poison drafts for me in return for certain promises. A foul old hag? Me? <laughs> you need not go into detail. I poured the poison into Faraday's goblet, which I intended to give him for a final toast of the evening. But the swine confounded my plan. He recognized my voice early and confronted me in the hallway, exposing my disguise. We wrestled briefly, but the sharp metal of the jingle bells on my costume scratched his face. Faraday seized my scarf and dipped it unwittingly into the poisoned liquid to soothe the scratches on his face. That deadly draught seeped into the open wounds. Slowly, he felt the poison enter his veins. I'll never forget the look in his eyes when he realized that he had sealed his own doom. Frantically, he broke from my clutches and ran down the halls into this room and into the arms and the dagger of the lady in red. That's when I stabbed him. But he was already a dead man, my dear. So I, I really, really didn't kill him? I'm not a murderess? I'm not crazy? Let's not jump to too many conclusions. This is all wrong. No one will ever pay to watch a play where there is a room full of suspects and the climax to the story is that the victim murdered himself. This trip was a complete waste of time. I still have no good ending. You could have the queen accidentally drink the poison in the goblet. Then you could have Ham and Ray fight a great duel using poison swords with King Foraday. Sword fights are always good. And before he dies, Ham and Ray stabs evil King because he was accidentally scratched in a fight. Ham and Ray dies as well. Is that really necessary? A real tragedy that might work. I'll have to roll it around in my mind a bit. Well, that's all good and well for your play. But what happens to us? Oh, that's simple. You remarry your first husband, King Hemenry. Prince Hemenry marries Lady Inred. And the kitchen maid is put in the dungeon for witchery. A happy ending for everyone. Yeah, except for me. Except for you, of course. Well, I better be getting back to my own time. My actors are waiting for their pages to start rehearsing for this, my latest play, Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. Not Hemenray? Nope. Thank you for all your inspiration. Farewell. My tongue is weary. My legs are too. I will bid you good night and pray for the queen. People must talk a lot in the future. Indeed. Let's eat. Someone Was Rotten at Dinner by Patricia Haynes Ainsworth. Starring Richard Dayries as William Shakespeare. Norman Davis as The Fool. Michelle Darcy as The Kitchen Maid. Nick Hoxtra as Prince Hamanrai. Emily Antonick as The Lady Enred. Kay Wise Denty as Queen Beatrice. And Brian Green as King Foraday. Directed by Michael Crosa. Edited by Richard and Monse Dayries. Sound effects provided by Jamie Davis. 
Thanks again to Patricia Haynes Ainsworth for sharing her creation with us. Find more of her work on her podcast, Winking Cat Tales. That's cat with a K. Winking Cat Tales, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. For KJVR in Jollyville, this is Michael Crosa. We'll see you next time on Jollyville Radio. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.